Because of this mighty resurrection. <laughs> I, love, I love my sermon today. <laughs> I totally love it. Uh, we've got so far in our chronological reading of the Bible this year, and going all the way back to last summer, actually, when we started in Genesis, the overall topic, supernatural redemption, your story, God's story, your story. And, and so far, uh, this last week, up to last week, we've got to where the church experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then was sent out to get other people saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, and uh, ministered wholeness and happiness and abundant Jesus life to everybody. And in the book of Acts, it uh, starts with uh, John and, and Peter uh, for the first few chapters, and then it, it morphs into the Apostle Paul and Barnabas' ministry. And, and their first missionary journey is what we looked at last uh, week in chapter 29 of the story. And I'm picking out a section of that, uh, 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 Paul's sermon in Pisidian Antioch, when a, a small town in, uh, in, Galatia, in the province of Galatia, because... Because as I was reading through chapter 29, I loved this sermon so much. I said, I've got to preach Paul's sermon. He preaches way better than me. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to preach Paul's sermon. And three different times in this sermon, he mentions and refers to the resurrection of Jesus. And what that speaks to me is that even though the, the annual um, resurrection day, Easter Sunday, is a means of grace... It's a catalyst to fix over a billion believers globally together on the, um, our minds and hearts on the singular most profound dynamic in human history, the death and resurrection of Jesus, with a special focus on the resurrection of Jesus. There is profoundly a resurrection factor that we continually live in, not just on Easter's, not just on Resurrection Sunday. It is a dynamic that stuns us, mesmerizes us, possesses us. Even before I understood or learned anything about the power of declarations, when I first came to Christ, I started doing a declaration like probably a dozen times a day. I would mutter it to myself in, high, on the, in the halls of Battleground High School under my breath. Jesus Christ is alive and he loves me. And just that declaration was a means of grace, bringing the resurrected presence of Jesus into my immediacy. And when Paul preaches this sermon in, in Pisidian Antioch, he actually starts back in Exodus and talks about God's redemption and, and anticipation of Jesus in Exodus. And then the judges, how God dealt with the people in, of Israel as God, God's people in Judges. And then King Saul, King David, he gives the whole history. It's almost like he was doing our series for us in summary. And then he gets to the promise to David that your seed is going to bring forth the Messiah. All of the redemptive history of the Jewish people, their chosenness and, their, and God's work in their, in their um, lives, the, the uh, rescue out of Egypt, 
and his, his work with them um, through the 450 years of the book of Judges and, and, and bringing them a king and bringing them into the kingdom, it all culminates in the life of Jesus. And the life of Jesus culminates in his, in his death and resurrection. And in Paul's sermon, um, I want to just note my first talking point, because of this mighty resurrection, we can live expectantly. Acts 13, 29. Now when they, had, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning Jesus, they took him down from the tree, the cross, and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. Notice that it doesn't say who were his witnesses. Who are his witnesses. Paul is preaching this sermon in Pisidian Antioch in South, the province of South Galatia just 20 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. And the witnesses are still alive testifying to the resurrection as Paul is preaching this. In fact, five years later, when he writes 1 Corinthians, he says in, in chapter 15, Jesus Christ appeared in resurrection power, first to Peter, and then all the apostles, and then to over 500 people at one time. Most of them are still alive. In other words, go ahead and ask them about it. Yeah. They'll tell you they saw him alive. And then he appeared to James, the Lord's, uh, Lord's half-brother. Same mother, different father. And James, who we only hear of him in the gospel accounts, saying, I'm embarrassed, he's crazy concerning Jesus. Commit him to two north. Then the next time you hear of James is in the book of James, where he says, James, the servant of Jesus Christ. Why? Jesus appeared to him. And Paul says, he appeared to James. That changed everything. Hey, James, how are you today? <laughs> I'm alive. And you're, you're going to serve me. You're going to preach my gospel. Then he appeared to all the apostles again. The apostle Paul says, and then he appeared to me, Paul says, on the road to Damascus. I was putting people in prison for the gospel. I even was responsible for some of them dying as martyrs. And I, he appeared to me on the road to Damascus. Knocked me off my horse, if you will. Blinding light, voice. And Paul blinded, came to Christ, put his faith in Christ, and the word got out that he who was persecuting our cause is now preaching it. Because of this mighty resurrection, we can live expectantly. And with Paul, uh, he lived with the resurrected presence of Christ with him and he testified to in this passage that 
the oral tradition, before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John even wrote it down, they wouldn't even write, when Paul preached a sermon, they wouldn't even write down their accounts for another 15 to 20 years. It's all people just gossiping about it, talking about it, sharing about it. It was electrifying. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did write it down. We're not going to take time to read all their accounts, but we have... Um, we have Sean Green and Andy Roden from our congregation going to read us Christmas, Christmas Easter account right now. So let's now after hear the, the Sabbath, word of the Lord. As the first day of the week began morning. to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the, back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. Then you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. John 20, the empty tomb. Very early Sunday morning before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. And when she arrived, she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to go tell Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. She told them, they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb and we don't know where he is. Then Peter and the other disciple jumped up and ran to the tomb to go see for themselves. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He didn't enter the tomb, but peeked in and saw only the linen cloths lying there. Then Peter came behind him and went right into the tomb. He too noticed the linen cloths laying there, but the burial cloth that had been on Jesus' head had been rolled up and placed separate from the other cloths. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first went in, and after one look he believed, for until then he hadn't understood the scriptures that prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. Puzzled, Peter and the other disciple then left and went back to their homes. Mary arrived back at the tomb, broken and sobbing. She stooped to peer inside, and through her tears, she saw two angels in dazzling white robes sitting where Jesus' body had been laid, one at the head and one at the feet. Dear woman, why are you crying? they asked. Mary answered, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Then she turned around to leave, and there was Jesus standing in front of her, but she didn't realize that it was him. He said to her, Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary answered, thinking he was only the gardener. Sir, if you have taken his body somewhere else, tell me, and I will go and... Mary, Jesus interrupted her, turning to face him. She said, Rabboni. And Mary in uh, original Greek is in the vocative voice, which means addressing in the present tense. And her response, teacher, 
Jesus Christ is still addressing us in the vocative voice, each one of us, as believers, as those filled with the Holy Spirit, as those in connected with Jesus Christ, the risen one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as he is, so are we in this world. We are, the, we are his body, we are his church, the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And it's only because we are plugged into, we are connected to his resurrection presence continually. And we live like Jesus did, who said, I only do what I see the Father doing. My friends, we were wired, we were created to not live in a mundane way. We are wired and created to live with the expectation of miracles no less than Jesus and the apostles did. The apostle Paul and his friends had miracles um, throughout, their, throughout their whole ministry, Book of Acts records. And you and I, as we, as we call on God in a daily basis, we, we actually live in a higher way, um, a greater way, a way that is more consistent with and expressive of why he created us, who he made us to be. And this is a, it's the kind of thing where you wake up in the morning and say, God, move today in my life. Oral Roberts may have done some things wrong, but one thing he did do very, very right is he, he got the word out, expect a miracle, expect a miracle, expect a miracle. And the call of God from the resurrection um, story account is for his people to live satisfied and full in him, not just out of our humanity, which is, which is uh, something's always missing when we're living out of our humanity. But when we live out of resurrection presence, we find out who we really are. This is what we were made for. This is the joy level I was created for. This is the expectation I was designed for. And I have found myself in recent days, not just in preparation for this message, but in recent days, weeks, calling on God every day, God, today, do something amazing. I want eight of them at least. Number of new beginnings, new life in the Bible, eight. And I've been documenting them and writing some of them down and I'll just share a couple of them. I, we, uh, Anthony and I were at the mall sharing the gospel yesterday, and we ran across a pastor of the Hispanic church in Wairica, Northern California. And we blessed his church, blessed his work, prophesied over him. And he was, he was radiant with Holy Spirit joy as we ministered to him, right in front of God and everybody there in the mall. It was beautiful. A few minutes later, when we were uh, moved on to other ministry, he walks up to us again. This time he had uh, his uh, lovely uh, uh, wife and his children with him. And he said, I want you to meet my family. Will you pray over them too? So we prayed and prophesied over them. And the, and the atmosphere was, was electric with positivity and peace and joy and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. My friends, you and I were designed for the anointing. And the anointing flows from the Father and from the Son. The, the Holy Spirit flows from the Father and the Son. The Holy, the, the, Jesus baptizes us continually with the Spirit and the Father. They work together. They, 
What do you want to do today, Father? Okay, let's baptize, let's baptize the church with the Spirit again today. Okay, it sounds good to me. And they do it again and again and again. So there's a river continually flowing to us. I, was at the, I had the great joy of spending uh, most of my stimulus check on the dentist last week. <laughs> and I couldn't really talk too much because they were busy working with my talking device. And, but all of a sudden, the, the gal that was working on my teeth, she says, you have a presence about you. You know, she said, what do you do for work? <laughs> I mumbled, I'm a pastor. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's what that is, okay? <laughs> that doesn't happen to me often. You know, it has over the years, once in a while. I'm just saying that I had called on God. I said, God, I want something supernatural today. I think I mentioned to you that when I was at my dad's last, the cable guy came in and working on something on his TV and, and uh, got to visiting and mentioned, we talked about family and he said his wife, uh, they were praying that his, he didn't say praying, he said, my wife is not, um, we want to have children, but we haven't had children yet. So I offered to pray. He said, yeah, please pray. So I prayed for him for that. And then I, I asked him about his soul, his eternal soul. And he wanted to be saved. And he was very grateful. And he said something shocking to me. He said, I've been doing this for 17 years and no Christian has ever offered to pray for me. In 17 years. My friends, we need to open our mouths. Amen. Jesus gave his blood. We can at least open our mouths. And say words. Well, what if I'm rejected? Well, Jesus was. Yeah. Get tough. <laughs> I was calling on God. Oh, God. Give me something supernatural. After our soul winning time yesterday. Stop by it. Safeway to pick up a few items. And I just looked up to heaven and said, oh, God, thank you for the miracles of this day. I love it. I live for it. I love. I was created for the supernatural. Oh, God, give me some more. I look up and a, a young, young man of color was just walking by. And I, I started saying it before I even had time to decide to say it. You ever done that? Hi there, young guy. Has anyone ever told you Jesus loves you? He prayed joyfully to receive Christ right on the spot before we went into I said, do you have any uh, Christian friends you respect that maybe you've been praying for you? He said, well, my mom, totally. I made him promise to text his mom, let her know. On Easter weekend, he got good saved. It's addicting. But we were wired for that. We were created for that. And not just, a, not just uh, once in a while. It's a life of that. But it only comes from a deep hunger in our hearts. And my, um, my advice to you, if you were to ask me for my advice, this is what I would say. Every day, say, God, 
I'm not even going to define for you the exact miracles I want. Sure, I'm petitioning you for stuff in my life all the time. But God, just bring on the miracles some way, somehow. I need, I need them. I want to live in the resurrected presence of Jesus. You see, God the Father and Jesus the Son are not distant. Some years ago, a guy sang a special in a church we were serving in from a distance. And I said to myself, I'm, I'm never going to let anybody sing that one again. That's the worst theology I've ever, some of the worst theology I've ever heard that God relates to us from a distance. He's not distant and he's not mad. In resurrection power and resurrection affection, the Father is immediate to you. He's present tense to you. And so is Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why that happens to me, but it does. Expect a miracle. Expect a miracle, and then because, uh, so we live expectantly, is that, is that clear? <laughs> uh, two, because of this mighty resurrection, we can live forgiven and justified. We talk a lot about being justified, righteousified, legally, forensically. You know, Ephesians 1 stuff, you are holy and blameless in his sight. He gives you the A+. Plus. He gives you the 100%, and then, that, then he starts working in your life to teach you the lesson, to grow into experientially the A-plus life that he's already given you. He's already given you the score, 100%, A-plus, but he teaches and works in you, and you respond in obedience. He's put a desire in your heart to want to obey him, to want to love him, to want to... to, want to to want to live out the principles and the promises of his holy book, the Bible. To live in step with the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, the Bible says that whoever has the Spirit lives by the Spirit. And whoever lives by the Spirit has their mind set on what the Spirit desires. There's that within you that's always gravitating towards what the Spirit desires. My advice to you and to myself is to align ourselves continually with what the Spirit de desires. But um, that's an aside, <laughs> although a very important one, very good one, actually. That's good preaching, Dan. <laughs> but I wanted to focus especially on forgiveness this time. Forgiveness. Because of this mighty resurrection, we can live forgiven and justified, Acts 19, 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption, but he whom God raised up saw no corruption. His body did not deteriorate, Jesus. Saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Notice that he doesn't even say 
how it works exactly. He just says, in childlike faith, receive this reality. God has said that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you believe in him, on him as Savior and Lord, and you have all of your sins forgiven, past, present, and future, all of your sins entirely forgiven. So you can say, as Paul did, with reference, he said, I, I am forgiven, I am, the, I am the chief of all sinners, but I am forgiven. There is a revelation by the Spirit to us, an assurance, deep assurance, that even though we have been very, very bad, we are very, very forgiven. Fully. To our core. The depravity of Adam and Eve. The Adam and Eve nature that you were born with that moves you to selfishness. That very, that very depth of selfishness within you, within me. It's not just that he forgives sins. He forgives sin. The sin nature. He kills it on the cross. And invites us to live in resurrection fire. I heard a I heard a story um, some time ago. A parable of the five brothers, which I want to tell you real quick. The parable of the five brothers. Once upon a time, long time ago there was an amazing father that lived on a very expensive and beautiful estate that went for miles and miles. And on this estate, there was a huge mansion. And the amazing, wonderful father lived there with his five sons. The oldest son never did anything wrong. He was a perfect son, perfectly obedient to the dad, the other four not so much. In fact, the father said, whatever you do, don't touch the river, which made the youngest son want to touch the river. So he went down to the river and called to, four, to the other three brothers that were naughty, and they came down to the river too. And he said, I want to step in the river. Will you hold on to me so that I won't have, let the river sweep me away? Well, he did, they did, and so did the river. Swept them down, hit rocks, bumped. Oh, man, it was terrifying. And they ended up miles down the river, alive but beat up. But the they, they, first thing they noticed was this land is so way different. It's so less than, than the paradise that we came from. And they said, oh, we made a big mistake. We've really sinned. I hope, the, I hope the Father comes and gets us. Let's build a fire and dry out and prepare. And just wait, maybe the father will send us. And they did, and they did that for several days. Finally, one son jumped ship. And he, went, he decided, I'm going to build a shack, and I'm going to enjoy this land the best I can. So he built a little shack, and he called it his mansion. And he pretended that this was, his, that this was the best that life could offer. Hedonistically living for the moment, the pleasures of the moment. Another son saw him do that and got rather angry towards him and judgmental. 
He left the fire and got, found some binoculars and parked near the brother and spent all of his spiritual energy and criticism of the brother who, had, who was living for the present. That's where his spiritual energy went, judging. A third brother got tired too, and he said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to build a bridge back to our estate. So I, I'm going to find my way back. I'm going to work my way back. And he, he started a process of building a rock bridge back to the father's estate. And he would only make about a foot or two a day because the river was deep and the rocks were smaller than he wishes they would be. And the youngest brother sat by the fire and prayed and called on, on God. Oh, please send the father. I, I'm just going to wait for the father. Then he heard a voice behind him. And it was the voice of the older brother. Hooray! He said, I've come to take you all back to the father. He wants to forgive you. Awesome. Where's the, your other three brothers? And the younger brother explained and the, and, the, and, the, and the oldest son went to the first brother and said, come on, let's go. And, the, and the, I'm going to take you back to the father. And the, younger brothers, and, the, and the other brother said, no, I just think you're trying to steal my mansion. You're trying to take away my pleasures. I don't even, the fa I don't even think the father exists. So the oldest brother he went to the brother who was looking through the binoculars, judging the first brother, the, the brother that was living for hedonistically for the present. Come on, let's go. I, I, I can, I'm going to take you back to the father's estate. You can live in the mansion again. No, I am too. I'm so glad you're here, though, because I kept a list of how this brother has sinned so much and how I am doing so much better than him in my life. He wouldn't come either. And so he went to the brother that was trying to build, trying to work his way back to the paradise. And he, that brother became angry too and said, I have sinned greatly and I must work my way back to the father. And when I see the father and arrive, he will have to forgive me because of my work. And the oldest brother walked away disappointed, found the youngest brother again. And he said, they're not ready yet. Someday they might be but not, they're not ready yet. So he carried the younger brother freely back to the, to the father's uh, paradise, the father's mansion, and the youngest son lived in joy in his father's presence. I don't know. I hope that you identify with the younger brother in that, in that story. The, uh, they could all have bumper stickers, you know, the one brother that lived for the pleasures of the moment could say, if it feels good, his bumper sticker might read, if it feels good, do it today. And uh, the judging brother's bumper sticker might read, I am watching your sins. And the legalistic brothers might say, I owe, I owe, so off the work I go. Off to work I go, his bumper sticker might read. And I think the younger brother's bumper sticker might read, I have been very, very, very bad, but I am very, very, very forgiven. What's your bumper sticker say? Are you receiving God's forgiveness? 
Thirdly, because of, so we live expectantly, we, for, we live forgive, forgiven. It's a wonderful freedom to know as far as, the, as far as the curse is found, the blessing to you has been made known. That you look within the deepest part of your soul and aware of your great rebellion and loss, mistakes and sins, and to know deeply, 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 by revelation from heaven and the word of God, you are fully forgiven. That sponsors in you a great freedom and joy to say thank you to Jesus by living a lifestyle of obedience. Thirdly, because of this mighty resurrection, we can live passionately. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of the Lord. Wow. The word says that they were so hungry that they followed Paul after that first sermon and said, uh, Please come back. We want to hear more. We've tasted the Lord is good. We want to hear more about this resurrection factor and forgiveness. And he said, okay, I'll come back next week. Go invite your friends. And you know, there's such power. There's such power in the invite. John and Sharon back there in the back row are telling me about how they just moved to Phoenix, Oregon years ago, went to a garage sale and met someone there that invited their child to come to this Covenant Life Sunday School there in Phoenix. Of course, 18 years ago, um, that uh, Covenant Life merged with us. But over all those decades, John and Sharon, from that first Sunday, became very, very good friends with Pastor Lee and Alice, who both gone on to, to heaven now. But... Um, it demonstrates, you guys ever wonder if you hadn't gone to that garage sale or if that, if that person hadn't invited you to church that day, your life would have been so different. The power of the invite. The power of the invite. And then Chris uh, Milam invited his son Austin and, and Austin's mother and Austin's uh, mother's husband to church last Sunday. And they received the Full baptism of the Holy Spirit right there in the back on that side, right there. Yeah. All because of the power of the invite. These people in Antioch invited people. Why? Because they were so filled with the Spirit. Later on, we see, we see that there, if you read on, it says all the disciples were fully filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. This is the energy to invite. If we don't, if we're not motivated or, or feel any kind of impetus to invite others to know Jesus or to know the experience of the Spirit in worship, then my gentle but firm invitation to you is to get so into the Holy Spirit that you become electrified with passion. So that you do feel motivated to gossip about your experience with God and, and, with, and do the invite. We were created for living expectantly, living forgiven, and living passionately. Anyway, I want, to, I want us to see as we conclude these two videos of uh, video testimonies of the power of the invite. Listen carefully as we, as we conclude today.
and Crystal, our daughter, got to playing with their kids, and um, we uh, were talking with them, and when they were getting ready to leave, the kids said, we would like Crystal to go to Sunday school with us. Can she go? And so I said, oh, okay. So I took her to Sunday school, and it was um, Jeremiah that came to the door, and I explained to him that we were new. And <laughs> the funny thing was, I said to Jeremiah first thing, um, you guys don't do anything funny here, do you? He just laughed and it's been a joke between us ever since. It's just that we were, he was raised Lutheran and we went to Lutheran. Of course, they don't raise their hands or they're very, you know. So it was the worshiping the way we worship now, which I love, wasn't done back then. And we thought we tried, you know, a bunch of different churches to see where we wanted to go. We never went anywhere else. Being comfortable with them, that's what was really important. They were just, it was very comfortable to be with them. And the, the way they taught was, you know, by the Bible, and there wasn't any other rules you had to go by. From 99, from June, June of 99, uh, until th they closed and we went to uh, New South. One invitation, and um, I think God led us there. Yeah. Yeah. Power of the invite. Are you guys glad that they invited you to church that day? Start off with my um, my younger son Austin struggling, and then um, we helped him through some problems, and then um, his mom Scarlett and his stepdad I invited because they're you know they're they're starting to see some breakthrough with Austin, and um, and that's because of what's been going on at the church here. I completely forgot that I even invited him really to be honest, and. Um, and then they were out in the parking lot. Here's Austin, my son Austin, and his mom, and um, his stepdad Steve. And um, and I was like, I was a little bit surprised, like, oh yeah. And then it started dawning me, oh yeah, I remember inviting him to church. <laughs> so they came in. We all came in and sat down. So that morning, here's Jackie being stepping out in faith and getting people to pray, no matter who's here. And then here's um, Pastor Dan at the end. Marty's preaching, and then Pastor and then Pastor Dan saying like, here, let's. If you guys want this, come you know, come over here and we'll get it. When when we started coming to the end of the service, I was really I wanted to talk to Steve and Scarlett and Austin about um, the Holy Spirit baptism, but I knew I felt like in my heart that they wouldn't really receive it from me. So as soon as the service got done and Jack or Dan started opening it up to um, for people to get it, Miguel and his wife Rosa turned immediately around and said, "Are you guys new here?" <laughs> And started like talking to them about, um, you know, asking, like doing a welcome. But then Miguel was like, you guys need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going we're gonna to do this. Miguel and, and Rosa immediately started going after the baptismal with, with fire. And um, so they, they all three received the baptismal of the Holy Spirit. But Steve was new to it. And Austin was is more like a breakthrough moment for him too. And then um, not only did that happen, but they all prayed over Austin's back and it was completely healed too. And they were all, all the disciples were filled with, the, with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This account concludes with that. Stand up. Those of you joining on Channel 11 at 11, you may be in Grants Pass in the, nor in the nor north of us, Wairika in the south, Klamath Falls to the east, Brookings to the west. Wherever you are, it's not an accident you're watching this. 
It's a week after Easter as you're watching this, but the resurrection factor is continual, continually present for you. I appeal to you, turn to Jesus if you're not good saved yet. Turn to Jesus. Call on him to save you. Confess him. Confess him as Savior. Confess him as Lord. And then tell a close friend that's a believer. They'll help disciple you to Jesus. Or send us an email. Find us at newsongmedford.com. Be glad to reach out and help you in your walk with Jesus so you can have the fullness of the Holy Spirit and supernatural joy as well. For all of us today, let's pray. Put your hands on your heart. We want to live expectantly. We're, we want to live expecting miracles. We want to live with the joy of full forgiveness constantly wreaking havoc in our, in, our, in our lives. We want to be smitten by the forgiveness factor. Granted, oh God, for each of us, that assurance and revelation. And God, we, we want to live passionately, inviting and proclaiming. Thank you for this invitation, this clear invitation from this resurrection message from the Apostle Paul that speaks profoundly to us right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We love you. Happy Resurrection Day to everybody. We'll see you next time. From heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Jesus, for our sake, you died.